Is your refrigerator running, everybody? And welcome to the Burnout Brighter podcast, episode three, where Destiny has left Darren and I alone, and it's all to the wolves right from the get-go. You can't see me because it's only sound, but my head is firmly on the table, or was on the table. Now it is up, sitting nicely. Darren, how are you doing? I am pretty fine. Pretty fine for a white guy? <laughs> let's not do this right now. Let's let's not do this. All right, Darren. Um, if you had to choose between being a uh, a three bladed fan or a or a what or a five bladed propeller hat, <laughs> can we start over? Can we just start this whole which, thing over? Which would you be and why? No, we're in it now. Okay, okay. If a three-bladed fan or a five-bladed propeller hat, which would you be and why? I guess I'd be a five-bladed propeller hat. And why? Um, because I'm pretty childish, and children wear five-bladed propeller hats, or at least they did, in some weird, bizarro version of the 50s that I don't think ever existed. See, I think that uh, children didn't wear five-bladed propeller hats. I think they wore three-bladed propeller hats. That was actually a trick question, and you failed. Oh. Well, I know Mario wore a two-bladed propeller hat in New Super Mario Brothers. Oh, we? We. Yes, New Super Mario Brothers. We, and I guess onward. Fair enough. Uh, as you can tell from the beginning of this episode, I am still workshopping my introduction slash catchphrase. We were gonna say what's up. You mother lovers, but that's that would be inappropriate. That would be inappropriate because not all people love their mothers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is already a train wreck. Um, uh, I have a question for you, Matt. Yeah, hit me. I'm Matt, by the way. I'm your host. Yes. Matt, why, why are we left alone? Why are we left alone to do anything? Where is Destiny? That's Destiny a, is holding this whole thing together. That's a great question. Uh, Destiny is unfortunately out trying to put the hellscape of Pandora's box she unleashed back into said box. Um, no, in all seriousness, she is sick this week. Um, she apologizes for not being here, but she needed to be at home with her cat. Yeah. Get, getting some good old rest. Get better soon, Destiny. But please, come back soon, because I have not had anything to drink, and I feel like I am already holding on to these small slivers of sanity that are still left inside my brain. That was a lot of S noises. I like the S. You like the S. Uh, yeah, so, again, welcome to the Burnout Brighter podcast. We are going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things today. We're going to be debuting a few new segments along with touching on some news related to Celeste. And a bit of a different format, though. And a bit of a different format, yeah. We're going to be talking a little bit about Celeste. We're going to be talking about um, uh, whatever Nintendo's doing because it doesn't have a name yet. And uh, yeah, but... I wanted to quickly announce, if you have not seen on our Instagram, which is at BurnoutBrighter7, or if you have not seen it posted about yet, we are now officially on Apple Music! Woo! We finally got approved. So that means that we are now on every major podcast network out there. You can find us on Apple Music. You can find us on Spotify. I love the Apple phone. Please buy Apple products. Yeah, that was uh, Darren bought over there. Apple's not sponsoring us, but yet, 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 yet. yes, you're right. Keyword, yet, yet. we yet. could, 
Yeah, that's good. We could. Um, yeah, so you can find us on Apple uh, on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. So please, please, please share it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. Tell your friends' friends to tell their friends' moms. And uh, like, subscribe, leave us a review. Any sort of attention towards the podcast online helps us grow a little bit more. So we would very, very, very much appreciate it. Yes. And with all the love in the world. So, actually, Darren, I wanted to give people a bit of a behind the scenes here before we jump into our first new segment. Sure. Yes. Um, so when I went to Darren and Destiny with this idea for a podcast, um, something that's been very important to me throughout the course of my life is mental health. And the way that I pitched it to them and the way that we've been kind of talking about bringing this in is we wanted to talk a little bit more about how games can affect our mental health, Mm -hmm. be it for better or for worse, for it as an escape or for something for us to kind of help us get through a situation that we're going through. And I feel like I know Darren for yourself and I know for myself as well. uh, Video games have been something that's not just a pastime, nor is it something that we just kind of jump into from time to time Mm -hmm. for a quick half an hour Mm -hmm. or just to kill time Mm -hmm. which it can be sometimes but sometimes Mm -hmm. games take on kind of another form and help us deal with things that we may be struggling with Mm -hmm. so the point that I'm trying to make here is we're going to be kind of bringing focus a little more to to mental health and and, and to games Uh, and the way that I want to start talking about that is a new segment called Games That Matter and the game that we're going to be talking about this week is Celeste. Celeste, yes. Yes. Darren, have you played Celeste? I have not played Celeste. And I think that's uh, a shame because I've heard nothing but good things about it. I love platformers. I love side-scrollers. I love, um, I love you know, I do love games that talk about mental health and things like that. And I, I played a bit of the uh, free Flash Celeste game that was the influence, or I guess the 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 beginnings. The beginnings of what Celeste is. Yeah. Uh, and you have played it, though. I have played Celeste. I've played it... Uh, I've played the story front to back. I haven't touched too many of the B and C sides, but the reason that I wanted to kind of call attention to this game is uh, mental health is something that I've struggled with for quite a while, and um, I know it's not something that's unique nowadays, and that's part of the reason why we started this podcast was to kind of help other people find a bit of the light in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And thank you everyone who made it this far into the podcast and didn't just shut it off right away based on our intro. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, we, we want to bring that mental health focus uh, to the, to, to the forefront of this podcast. Yeah. And so I'm happy that we're talking about this right now. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to talk about Celeste is Celeste is a game that wears its mental health influences on its sleeve. And it's not just, through its story but it's through its gameplay and it's through its music and it's through the characters um celeste is very important to me because i played it at a time that was kind of filled with a lot of anxiety and a lot of doubt so for those of you who don't know celeste is a platformer that was released on the ps4 xbox one nintendo switch windows steam kind of across the board back on january of 2018 And uh, for me, that was a time that was filled with a lot of tribulation and anxiety. I was working a job that brought a lot of pressure to my life every day and had me doing something that I really 
couldn't put my heart into. And it's one thing to do a job and to get it done, but it was a sales position and I felt like I was doing something that was a little disingenuous. And that brought me to a lot of anxiety and a lot of a lot of depression. Um, you know, there were the days where I just woke up not wanting to get out of bed because I just didn't want to go to work. Um, and Celeste, playing it at the time when it came out because I heard nothing but amazing things about it. It is about a character named Madeline as she kind of tries to ascend a mountain and throughout her journey she has this dark version of herself that comes up against her in many 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 different occasions and it's like that negative part of your mind that is constantly yelling at you to you know saying that you're not good enough saying that you can't do what you're doing and the reason that the game connected with me so much was like I said it was at a time where I felt like I couldn't do what I wanted to do properly and Celeste does deal with the fact that sometimes it isn't just a lack of effort it isn't just the external thing it's the way that you're struggling with it yourself right um what, what do you feel like when you're playing it um so you felt like it was it was a, a very like 90% positive experience playing it do you feel like it was hard um, if you related so much to the game, do you feel like it was hard to play it? Um, if it maybe help re- relive some bad memories or anything like that? Um, you know, some of the ingenious nature of Celeste was the way that the game is actually designed. Because a lot of the, the levels are quite short. And it's like as you move from single screen to single screen, you progress through this one portion and a lot of the things that comes with mental health and dealing with something like depression is this idea of doing things one minute at a time right if i can get out of bed and if i can brush my teeth i can i can let me let me focus on that thing first mm-hmm. let me do that first mm. so you get through that first minute and they're like okay i've now gotten up and i've now i'm now in the bathroom and i'm starting to brush my teeth i can do this for the next 2 minutes and because of Celeste's design and that like it's you're never going through a incredibly lengthy section. Yeah, it's always like a screen. It's a screen. Like doing it one screen at a time. Yeah. Just get to the next one. Get to the next exactly. one. Exactly. And like even though there are longer sections, of course, um, it's brilliant the way that it makes you feel of just just get through this. And the game is not always easy. The game has wonderful accessibility mm-hmm. um, options for you to play. So even if you're not good at platformers, even if you're not good with keeping up, even if you're not good at the pixel-perfect mm-hmm. platforming that the game demands from you, especially with its later levels and its, um, and its B-sides and C-sides, it is always giving you the option to handle it a different way. And that's one of the things that I love most about Celeste is that it just gives you something simple to do and asks you to get there. Right. And if you can't, it doesn't punish you for it. Sure. But what you're saying is even if it's simple, um, it, it can still be a challenge. Of course. And that's the problem with you know depression in general is that it's simple things that become extremely difficult. Yeah. And... M- so do you think that difficulty, um, would you recommend playing it without the accessibility options? I played it just on the regular difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like I grew up on platformers. Right, so right, like, right. But the thing is, it's like, I would recommend trying it there. Mm-hmm. And if the game... Because it gets... seems to me like the difficulty is kind of like 
wrapped into the experience. It is, because like I said, it obviously gets more difficult as you go, as any game does. But like, it's also that you're getting to more narrow parts of the mountain where you're trying to ascend right. to the peak that things get more difficult because platforms will get smaller. Right. What you're asked to do is, is maybe a little bit of a longer piece of level rather than a short right. single screen. So it's, it's built into it. And through the course of the game, Madeline has, to, you know, she has friends that help her along the way that are also struggling through things. There are, are you meet even ghosts who linger because oh, wow. of mistakes that they may have made or regrets that they have. Wow. So it, it really does wear its, its, you know, mental health influences on its sleeve. That's really And like the dark version of yourself is something that keeps coming back and you can see the confusion in your dark side. Yeah. Because as the game goes on, it's evident that it's not just evil side being evil. It's, it's self-doubt, it's confusion, it's anxiety. It's not just a, I'm a bad version of you. I'm dark link to your link. Like it's, it's a struggle. It's interesting. I didn't know how much, um, kind of like the idea of mental health and depression was worked into not only the story of the game, but the, the mechanics. It's brilliant. And I don't know whether that's intentional or not. I, I feel like it's gotta be intentional. I, th I think it, I think it is, but it's just something that I kind of, you know, I peered into as, as I played, um, and it's like I said, it's it's a time in my life that was quite turbulent and a lot was going on. Um, but it was a game that for me stood out and, and helped me, even if it was just a day at a time, a few minutes at a time, a few hours at a time, say like, okay, I did this thing. How do I do the next thing? Right? right? Like I got through this little bit of work. I got through this appointment, right? Mm -hmm. What do I do about the next one? And, and that was going to be my next question was, do you think that that... Um philosophy in, in Celeste of just making it one level at a time, did that actually bleed into the real world, world for you and help you, um, even if for a little bit, yeah, take that Part mentality on? Partly, I would say that it did. Obviously, no game or... And there is no catch-all for, no, for anxiety and depression, right? But it's it's even just that mentality that through a brief period of time, I, can, I could look at myself and say, like, I got through this half hour. What am I doing in the next one? Right. Um, so I just really want to give a really heartfelt shout out to Celeste because I do think it is a game that matters. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a game that unabashedly is what it is and it caters to everyone. If you want grueling difficulty, the game has that for you. If you want an easy ride through a story that takes you places and like, I don't think I've ever connected with a character in a 2D platformer as much as I did Madeline. That's fantastic, yeah. Because most 2D platformers, the, the, you know, the goal is get through the level. Yeah. But Madeline takes you on her journey and she she helps she, you know, she helps, you help guide her through what she's struggling with and mm -hmm. I really do think it's a game that everybody should at least try and even if you're not a gamer, even if you're not someone who enjoys platformers. The, the accessibility options are there to accommodate your needs. Exactly. And the story is one that's worth being told and it's a journey that's worth going on. That's fantastic. So that's why I wanted Celeste to be our first game that matters. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, and that's why, Darren, uh, knowing some of the things that you've gone through in your life, I really do recommend you play it because I think it does... I think it does tell a wonderful yeah. story. I'll have to pick it up, especially if it's on sale right now. It is. It is on okay. sale right now. Um, which And also, transition <laughs> into our first major news story. 
Um, Celeste is actually getting a Chapter 9 free DLC that launches right now, actually. It's already out. That's amazing. Uh, this is coming from Hope Corrigan over at IGN. Uh, blog post on developer Extremely OK Games website explains Celeste will be sent off with its free chapter that will be available to download who, for everyone who owns the game. This Chapter 9 Farewell DLC will be available on all platforms on September 9th, meaning it's already out, <clears throat> through the Xbox One version might have a slight delay. Chapter 9 Farewell will add over 100 new levels to the game. 100 new levels? Bringing Celeste to over 800 levels in total. Holy crap. These levels co- also come with new music and mechanics and can be unlocked by completing Chapter 8. Wow. Okay. So it is a quite decently sized contract content drop that's free yeah so i guess they they call it the the farewell dlc so this must be the last one that they plan on making this is the last thing that they plan on doing for celeste at least in its current form have they released free dlc for it in the past is this usual or Uh, i'm not sure honestly i don't know if the game has gotten any post-launch support i don't think it really has they must have it must have some kind of support if well, I know that this is what this is the major one that's okay. coming. Like, there's been, as far as I know, no paid DLC, nothing that's come out that's kind of helped further the game along. It's just that. Well, didn't they release what it was like? Um, D sides, C sides, and D sides weren't those not in the game originally? Did they I know those later. B and C sides were. Then D sides were a new thing. I remember that coming. Yeah, that D sides could be uh, like an addition that, that came in. later on. Yeah, and the I'm thing is, sure. it's like especially this DLC, this content. Uh, it's a mammoth to get to because the game actually ends on chapter seven, I believe. Oh. And to play chapter <laughs> chapter eight, you need to have beaten a certain amount of the side stuff to have enough like strawberries life and things and like and life, yeah, yeah, life to get through. And then so now this chapter nine unlocks once you clear chapter eight. So there is a bit of a gate to try and get to it. Right, Not right, that it's right, a paywall right. or anything, no. but it But it's free, it's a free update, so I mean I, I don't blame them for wanting to if it's a challenge, then you need to, you know, um, basically prove that you're capable of getting there. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what Celeste does, and again, like the the, the difficulty is built into the game. Yeah. So it'd be different if it was a paid DLC. Then yeah, please give me access to that content right away. Exactly. But if it's free, then it's not really DLC. It's more of just like an update. Yeah, like here you go. Here is this hundred new levels, and again, like hundred new levels doesn't necessarily mean like full levels. No, like, like I said, a, sing, a single like, screen yeah. of challenge can yeah, be just yeah, level yeah. in Celeste, right? Wow. All right. Well, I have to pick this up. I have to look into this game. This yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it's... I know you've recommended it forever, yeah. so... I have, and uh, you should check it out, and I don't doubt that you will. I will. <laughs> Moving on to a pair of Nintendo stories. Uh, we're going to start with Nintendo ditching monthly release schedule for NES and SNES games, coming from Matt Wales over at Eurogamer. Matt writes, When the NES library for Switch launched last September, it featured a total of 20 titles, the same number included in the newly arrived SNES library. Since then, an additional 28 NES games have been introduced, arriving in batches of two to four titles each month. Moving forward, however, SNES and NES games will be added to their respective apps on a more irregular basis. News of the change was initially shared on Nintendo's Japanese website, and the company's Western arm has since confirmed, via a statement to Vux, that while more games are coming, those releases will not adhere to a regular schedule. So, Darren, this... Nintendo Netflix of games that we've been promised and well that we've hoped for for so yeah, long. I don't think we've been promised it. Yeah, but it's something that we've hoped for for so long. Yeah. Do you think their current model was working where they released 20 games and every month you'd get an additional 2 to 4 games added to the library? I mean, 
I think that having a regular release schedule of games is better than having an irregular release. Because if you keep it regular, it... it gotta keep, keep it regular. <laughs> you gotta just take your fiber. Yeah. Um, keeping it regular makes it easy to justify the purchases of a subscription. Because you know that there's always going to be something around the corner. If you don't know okay. when there's going to be something around the corner, then what's stopping me from just, like, canceling it and then not picking it up later? Like, like, or if I've never purchased it before. Right. Like, yeah, if exactly. I don't have one yet and I don't know when the next one's going to come, I'm like, well, I'm not going to get it now. I'm going to wait till the next batch of yeah, games. Yeah, Game X comes out that I've been looking forward to. Yeah, but if it's happening every month, I feel a little more comfortable buying a subscription knowing that, like, okay, I don't have everything I want now, but next month there could be something good. And the next month there always is, is going to be something coming. Um, if, which, is, which is part of the appeal of something like PlayStation Plus, where each exactly. month you know you're going to be getting a couple games, whether they're good or not. Yeah, not every month is a winner, but you know that whatever, it's just one month. I'll wait one more month and something new will come and maybe that'll be better. The thing is, I don't know, with Nintendo and especially the way that they've been handling their online catalog, catalog here, um, these games are fucking old. Well, yeah, they're Nintendo, they're NES and well, NES games. Well, of course they are, but, which is why for me, I just, I struggle to understand why these content drops would not be more than two to four NES games a month. A month, yeah, 100%. And the thing is, which is I like, I don't know, I have this fucking cycle with Nintendo where I always hope they're going to impress me or surprise me, and all the time I'm either confused or let down. At least when, when it comes to their online services, um, it, in... Because, like, they're... The, the, the other side of it is their subscription is only $20. It's 20 bucks, And it doesn't do everything the other ones do, but it's also more than half the price. The, ish, the thing is, though, is that, like, for Nintendo to continue to offer this pricing structure, would you assume, now that they've added SNES a year after NES, you'd assume that Game Boy... N64, yeah. etc. Yeah. down the line will be available. But the because thing is, all this, like, this is all stuff that was available on the Wii and Wii U. Exactly. So but, why isn't it available now? Right. And like, I assume they're going to continue this, you know, slow doling out of content, which is why for me, it's like, I would happily pay three times as much if I had access to a library. Like, look at something like even PlayStation Now <laughs> or something like Xbox, which regularly add an mm immense amount of games and mm -hmm. especially with um with game pass mm -hmm. new games yeah to their services every yeah. month yeah. and this isn't like i'm yeah. saying like you know they get one no, new no, AAA. No. so yeah. like for me like nintendo just seems so archaic in this yeah. structure because give me give me 40 games because you very easily could yeah i think yeah because they're they're being very coy with their library because i mean they have a large, large, massive library, but they're always just so careful about, oh, we don't want to give them too much. We want to give them some. We'll drip feed it. And it's frustrating because I agree with you. I think that there's no reason for them to not be regular at the very least. Give us some games every month. You have enough, but the problem is I don't think it's going to affect their bottom line because they already are selling a ton of Nintendo Online subscriptions. Do you think this irregularity will mean more content in each drop? Or do you think we're going to get the same amount of two to four games? Perhaps now let's say three NES and three SNES. I am hoping that it means more content. I'm hoping that if they're not doing it every month, if they do it every like three months, then hopefully it'll be like, 
you know, 10 or 12 games in a batch. Like maybe it'll be something closer to the SNES uh, online release where they dropped it off with, you know, like 20 games. 20 games. So maybe the next time it'll be like another 20 games. Because the problem I think is also once you're getting into the SNES, you're getting into a lot more games that Nintendo has to get licensing for. Right. Yeah. Um, and, And they're no longer games that they own. Um, but it shouldn't be a problem because, yeah, it's not a problem for Microsoft or, or Sony getting us two games a month. But Well, that's what I mean. But again, like, even with um, games with Gold and PlayStation Plus, like I said, we're getting newer stuff. But I'm even talking about their... Because what, what this is is essentially a streaming, quote-unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. platform, right? Yeah. PlayStation Now and Xbox's streaming platform, again, offer more content... And yes, it costs more. But like I said, I would happily pay 80 bucks a year if Nintendo was like, here's all these games you can play. Well, you're actually paying more than 80 bucks a year right now if you're paying, was it, oh no, it was 20 a year, right? 20 a year. 20 a year. It's like yeah. $4 oh, a yeah. month or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I would happily pay $80 a year too. If it, Also, if they you know gave us stuff like voice chat built into the console. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you think that with this additional release of content, as we get the Game Boy, as we get the... GameCube eventually. Maybe, yeah. Do, do do these prices go up? Um, do you think they'll have like a tiered platform for like 20 bucks a year they'll get NES, SNES, and let's say original Game Boy. For 30 bucks a year they'll add an N64. For 50 bucks they'd add in GameCube. You know what? I, um... Or do you I, think I, I they'll think... just raise the price across the board as these things come out? That's a tough question. I'm, because I don't think I'm trying to think of like a precedent that Nintendo set for something like that, and this is pretty uncharted territory for Nintendo. Um, I know with their mobile games they're monetized to crap, but their non-mobile games usually have pretty fair monetize monetization. I can see, I can see them doing a tiered model, but I think actually what would be more likely is I think that if they were going to offer Wii and GameCube games, I would like to predict just uh, um, uh, an increase across the board, a mandatory increase. Right, which isn't unheard of. I mean, PlayStation Plus has done that a Net- few Netflix times. Netflix has done that. A few, a times, a yeah. few times. Netflix has done that. I'm sure uh, Games with Gold has gotten more expensive since its initial <clears throat> launch. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I really hope that they figure this out a little bit more because I That's love my fucking Switch. Uh, I love Nintendo games, so I want to play those Nintendo games in a good way. Right, and it's like stuff with like the rewind feature which they've added, yeah. and even just save states like an online multiplayer to some of the NES and SNES games, which is a little weird. I haven't tried that out. Me neither, but I mean, it's there if you want it. Um, <laughs> I guess only time will tell. We'll see what the hell Nintendo does. Yeah. But um, for every thing that Nintendo does, there is a weird underbelly of Nintendo things that just makes you scratch your noggin. Yeah. Just confuses the shit out of you. So, moving on to uh, our next news story here, which I've titled Nintendo, What the Fuck Is This? <laughs> which the actual title is Nintendo Has Made Another Weird Peripheral, coming from Jordan Ramey. Apologies if I mispronounce your name if you ever listen to this. <laughs> over at GameSpot. So, Nintendo has something rather odd-looking in the works. Without any prior warning, and in spite of having a direct presentation literally the day before, Nintendo announced a new experience coming to Switch with a new video. It's not exactly clear what Nintendo is advertising, though the company does say more information will be revealed on September 12th. All the video reveals is a circular peripheral for Switch that seems to have a tremendous amount of give as people in the video can't seem to crush it or stretch it apart no matter how hard they try. Darren, did you watch this video? 
Oh, I watched that video. Can you tell me about what the fuck this was? Um, I, I, um... To the best of your ability. Yeah, I, I can tell you, okay. Uh, it's a circle. It's a big plastic circle. And possibly plastic. Possibly plastic. Some other material might be involved. You put one Joy-Con, um, into the circle... Uh, like you're performing some kind of weird satanic ritual, and then you strap the other Joy-Con to your inner thigh, and then I you. Mean, I wish we were joking. Uh, no, I am not joking. And then you proceed to do what I can only imagine is um, completely depraved sexual acts, uh, because that video looked weirdly sexual. There was a lot. Of hip thrusting. Right. There was one man doing a full-on, looks like, spider walk. So, uh... With groin pointed in the air. If, if, if you are learning anything about Darren from his description of that video, you can tell he's not been to a gym in quite some time. Uh, because <laughs> a lot of those actions, to me, looked like more exercise or fitness-related things. I, I I think, no, to me it looked like they were joining a cult. The, Nintendo is releasing a cult. The circle is a soul catcher. It's and a, you, perhaps you, a summoning circle. A summoning circle, well, I, I think that it's, um, it, it's an anti-summoning circle, so you thrust into the air, and then your soul expels through your groin, and it's caught in the circle and sent to Nintendo headquarters where they analyze it, and then they make a life like me out of it. Where they release Balloon Fight to you as your NES game of the month every month in perpetuity. Oh, God. A a except this time your soul is in the balloon. No, this time you are the balloons. I am the balloon and I am popping. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't uh, like where this is going. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, Nintendo has a history of doing weird-ass health-related peripherals. Um, from the Wii Balance Board. Yeah, the rumored name for it, I think, is the Nintendo Do. Which, I mean, if that's true, it I thought it couldn't get any fucking dumber after the likes of Wii U and new 3DS yeah. XL fucking hamburger helper. <laughs> like, I, I'm baffled about what the fuck they're trying to do here. The Nintendo Do. More like... The Nintendo do not do this around children, or you will end up on a registry. God damn it, Dan. <laughs> God fucking damn it. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, my question is just like, who asked for this? No one. No one asked for it. But like, I mean, I guess coming off of the company do you think, that... Do you think Nintendo does things because you ask for them? They do things, and to quote uh, a saying that my my brother told me once, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Sure. But like <laughs> why? Like I I don't know. I'm curious to see because the thing is this video only shows off the hardware itself and people playing with it. We have no idea what the software yeah. would look like coming from this. And granted that like fucking Nintendo Labo is a thing, which is just cardboard that you yeah. play with your Nintendo and now that they've made Labo VR yeah. which actually has like experiences coming to it from third party developers which if, just, if you call motion sickness an experience if you call dropping <laughs> your entire switch to your face an experience I mean that is an experience um, 
I just so TGS is is coming up this this weekend, which is why I think they're saying that will uh, more will be revealed on the twelfth, which is yeah. the Tokyo Game Show You're for probably. anyone unfamiliar. Uh, I mean, we're going to have a whole slew of game announcements, some of those stuff to talk about next week, and hopefully we'll know more about what Nintendo do. It's a joint venture with Hideo Kojima, where he puts you in the game. You are the baby lodged in Death Stranding. You will cry. And then you will also control Norman Reedus' genitals Uh, as he pees. uh, You will get to see Norman's Reedus. Do you think he's ever actually used that line? I, just, I fucking hope he has. Hey, baby, would you like to see my Norman Reedus? My Norman Reedus. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but I'm sure we're going to find out in a couple of days so we can take a deep dive into this next week or with our TGS post-show yeah. to see what's going on. Uh, the last major news topic we're going to talk about uh, comes from Tamur Hussein over at GameSpot. There is a new Resident Evil game. Uh, Capcom has officially revealed a new Resident Evil game called Project Resistance. Its existence has been known about for some time now, with leaks indicating that it would be a multiplayer experience of some sort. The official trailer, released as a part of the Tokyo Game Show, confirms this to be true. Mm-hmm. Darren, this game looks like Left 4 Dead, but Resident Evil. Well, okay, I want to know what you think first. You tell me what you think about it, because it wasn't really a trailer, it was more of a teaser. Yeah, um, this is the most excited I've been for a Resident Evil game in probably forever. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, because, at least from what the teaser showed off, it does look like Left 4 Dead. Yeah. Because there's been a sore lacking of anything AAA Left 4 Dead did for you, quite some time Did you play now. a lot of Left 4 Dead? I did. Yeah. I did play, I did play quite a bit of it growing up. So... And from what I've heard from Resident Evil 2 Remake, the gunplay was great, the game controlled mm. well, and that it, it felt good to play. Yeah, man, it sucks you didn't play it. I love that remake. It was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's Resident Evil for me, has we have a really love-hate relationship. Yeah. The only one I've played to completion, and I'm surprised, I wouldn't be surprised if you slapped me, would be Resident Evil 5. Oh my god. Yeah, that's why you're excited for Re- Project Resistance. Right, but like, I've... I've and played you, through a good chunk of four, but like I'm too young. Like I was too young to remember. You probably. have you have seven on the VR. I thought you would have finished that because of the VR. No, it uh, it was a scary time, <laughs> and um, I got sick of being chased around that fucking house and not knowing how to solve a puzzle. <laughs> um, that's my biggest thing. So, like, like I said, puzzles for me have to be like really fucking laid out yeah. nice and easy for me so, so I can feel like accomplished doing so you're, this shit. So you're more excited for the co-op experience then? I am because it sounds like it could be kind of fun like especially if you take the more Resident Evil tro- things of having less ammo having to work together and like not fighting every fight and perhaps running. Yeah. I think working together in that kind of environment would be pretty fucking cool. Well you know I actually am Okay, so I am more of a Resident Evil purist myself. I played Resident Evil 4, I played Resident Evil 1, I played Resident Evil 2 Remake. I mean, I, okay, the Resident Evil I played, I, I played 1, I played uh, 4, I played 5, uh, I played Revelations 2, I played 7, uh, and yeah, I played a lot of Resident Evil games. Okay, uh, I think that my favorite one... A lot of people say Resident Evil 4, best game ever made. My favorite is actually still the Resident Evil 1 remake. Okay, cool. Uh, That's my favorite. Uh, So that's what I mean when I'm a Resident Evil purist. Um, And Resident Evil 2 remake was amazing. Um, I like that classic 
style. I do not like five. I did not enjoy it. I did not drive five enough that I did not play six. I didn't play six either. I know five was a massive departure yeah. for the franchise. I know it was much more run and gun. I played it with a roommate of mine back in university, so it was fun doing that together, yeah. but I can understand why yeah. from a pure Resident Evil yeah, yeah, standpoint, yeah. that game's not considered yeah. to be up there. In- but, I mean, Resident Evil is not... Um, a stranger to co-op because Resident Evil 5 had it, but it's not the only one that had it. Resident Evil 6 had co-op. Resident Evil Revelations, I know 2 had it. I think 1 had it as well. Um, and there was an old game, an old Resident Evil game called Resident Evil Outbreak. Okay. That was an online game right? where everybody played like a classic Resident Evil game, like running around the uh, police station from Resident Evil 2, running around the mansion from Resident Evil 1, doing classic Resident Evil things with their friends. Cool. Fighting zombies and stuff. And so I am... My dream is that Project Resistance is closer to something like that than Resident Evil 5. So do you think... I mean, we know very little about the game, but do you think... Because one of the things that you do quite enjoy about the Resident Evil franchise Mm -hmm. is the puzzles, yes. right? Yeah. Do you think we'll see something on the level of the classic Resident Evil puzzles in that game, yeah. or do you think that'll be kind of toned down more in favor yeah. of the action? I think that we will actually still see puzzles. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to predict that we're going to actually still see those classic Resident Evil puzzles, except you'll just be doing it with friends to try and speed up the process. Right, which is something that for me... Well, I think would be really fun. Exactly, yeah. which is why I, like, I'd like i actually be down to kind of play through that with yeah. you because that's something more yeah, yeah. my speed because like the puzzle, I'll be like, all right, Darren, fucking you do this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I'm actually really... Like, I, I am hopeful for this because I think that Capcom has seen Resident Evil 7 did very well. Resident Evil 2 Remake has done even better, and those are classic Resident Evil games, and so they are going to hopefully try, and the, the games that have been a, a complete disaster for them, Resident Evil Outbreak. Six? Uh, no, sorry, not Outbreak. Uh, six, well, Six wasn't really a disaster. Six actually sold pretty well, surprisingly. Um, it was Resident Evil Raccoon City, uh, Operation right. Raccoon City. Right, right, right. And then... That was like the online shooter? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like a squad-based yeah, shooter. Yeah. And then they had another multiplayer one called Resident Evil, like... Um, Umbrella... Umbrella Corpse. Umbrella yeah. Corpse, yeah. yeah. And those were trash. And they did really bad. And so I think Capcom is hopefully thinking, let's... If we want multiplayer, let's do classic Resident Evil, like Outbreak, and try and bring it back with what looked to be more Left 4 Dead excuse me, elements, uh, based on the way it looked that some like somebody was controlling Mr. X from Resident Evil 2. Um, Do you think somebody was controlling him, or he was just a villain? He was definitely being controlled, because you can see in the teaser someone put on gloves and squeezed the gloves, and then you see Mr. X's glove squeeze the exact same way. I just thought that was him. Oh, no, no, no. I that, don't know enough about Resident Evil. I thought that was him like being like, alright, they're getting too no. close, out of the control yeah. room, into the thing. No, I think they were heavily, heavily implying that someone was controlling Mr. X. So you think it's more along the lines of fucking Evolve, where you yeah. have like four human players on yeah. one side against well, somebody who may be controlling... Left 4 Dead works as a comparison still, too, uh, because Left 4 Dead did have that as one of its most popular multiplayer modes, was people controlling... Um, the special infected right, right, right. versus yes, people you're right, that are, you're right. are, are I forgot controlling about that. The, the human players. So I actually think that I would love that. I think that would be a great combination. And so I'm looking forward to uh, TGS to find out more about it. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to come from TGS probably a lot. 
Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how this game is going to shake out because yeah. I think it could actually be a really fun experience. I hope so. All right, guys. Moving on to um, our main segment. So over the last couple of weeks, as we've been kind of finding the footing of the show a little more and more, we something that we've heard a little bit is that we spent too much time on the news, Darren. Mm-hmm. Too much news. Yes. Our podcast running a little long. I Talking agree. about news things too much. Who needs news? Who needs news? Who who needs it? Um, so now let's, for the next hour, talk about more news. Um, <laughs> no. So what we're going to do this week, especially with Destiny being uh, away from the podcast, um, she's actually over in uh, Neverland. Um, trying to catch run away from Michael Jackson's ghost who's what because Michael Jackson had a ranch called Neverland god damn it why (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah sure that Neverland Uh, run away from Michael Jackson's ghost Um, what we're going to do and what we're going to do uh, a few more times over the next couple months is take a look at our video game histories I want you the viewers and um, for us to kind of talk more about what we grew up on, what games matter to us. So today, we're going to be focusing on Darren's video game history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just me and Big D over here, talking about some games, talking about what what changed his life. Just M'ing the D. Talking, just M'ing the D. Just DMing. DMing. Um, (laughs) Slipping into that DM. Slipping and sliding into those DMs. Um, (laughs) So Darren, um, I want to know, what is your earliest gaming experience that you can remember? My earliest, earliest gaming experience um, goes back to what I like to call the era of PC stands for point and click. Okay, cool. And I call it that because, uh, well, I had a PC. Right. Back when I was in, like, first grade. I'm going to very easily age myself right now. Um, Back when I was in first grade, uh, my dad came home with our very first home computer. Okay. Which was a Windows 95. All right. Yeah. And I, he wanted it for himself, obviously. Computers are a pretty helpful thing to have around the house. Sure. I uh, don't know how I would live without them. And he thought that it would be fun for us to play some games. Right. So he got us some point and click adventures uh, from a company called Humongous Entertainment, which I mentioned in the first co- podcast. Right. Yeah. And they made a game called Putt Putt Saves the Zoo. Okay. And I played this Putt which Putt was Saves the, the Zoo. Which was the prequel to Conker's Bad Fur Day. Which is, yes. Putt Putt is the DD. Uh, Putt Putt is actually a purple car. And this was not where I thought this was going. Okay, go Putt Putt is a purple car. Okay, and he goes to the zoo. Right, and the zoo has some problems, and you have to solve some, you know, point and click style adventure puzzles to save that zoo. As most cars do when they go to yeah. the zoo. And and so my first game experience was yeah with that game. Another game called Spy Fox and Dry Cereal. Uh, another game called Freddy Fish and. Something like the Ghost Corral or something like Are that. Are you confusing the games you played with dinners you had? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. They're all weird names. Also, uh, Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. Yeah, talk about games that uh, don't sound like will get you on a watch list. <laughs> <laughs> These are the games I played. And they're, they were... I, I urge you to, um, if you have a kid, uh, please... 
get them these humongous entertainment games because they are fantastic. They were made by a veteran of the point-and-click genre uh, or a couple veterans, and they are the perfect introduction to games for me um, because they kind of really... You're you're learning without knowing you're learning because okay. you're reading and you're solving very very simple logic puzzles. You're exploring the environments, finding items, and using those items to solve situations. And you're a big fan of like I said, like we've talked about yeah. puzzle and and logic based games still now. To yes, this day, right? yeah, and it really was because of those games that I still have that love. And I think that's a that's a really interesting thing to to think about because I did not grow up on games like that at all, mm-hmm. and I can't fucking stand <laughs> puzzle games. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about my gaming history another time, but yeah. do you think that if you had not played those games, your love of gaming would have evolved the way that it did? Not to uh, say you would never have no, played yeah. games, but... I don't know. I still think I would have had a similar trajectory, which I, I guess I'll get into why in a, in a minute, but I don't think I would have been into point and clicks as much. Okay. Because then the next set of gaming things that I owned was a Nintendo 64, which had more, like, immediately, you know, controllable games with action and racing and sports and that kind of thing. Right. Um, the platformers. But, yeah, but... The mascot platformers. But, but the thing is, because it was a... My first gaming experience was a PC for, for kids... All there really was is point-click adventures and, like, Math Blaster, if you remember that. Yeah, no, yeah. of course, right? I mean, like, anything that you might have been able to play, I mean, yeah. it's not like fucking Doom was out at that no. time, right? Well, uh, Doom was out at the time. Was it? Yeah, uh, for DOS. Doom was on DOS. Oh, on, like, four okay. floppy disks. Um, and... Well, still, you wouldn't be playing that as a fucking... No, I wouldn't be. My, nine-year-old. My uncle was. My uncle was big into Doom at the time. Uh, but, no, but the thing is that they're great introductory games, too, for kids, because there's no reflexes involved. It's right. just... You sit and you learn, listen to a story. There's pretty pictures. You click around, things happen, and you have a good time that way. And my parents could enjoy them too. And that's what got my parents into video games is because they got other point-and-click adventures for themselves that also kind of influenced my, I think, my love of horror, my love of uh, my my sense of humor. And I'd like to just name just a couple of the point-and-click adventures that really stuck out to me. Yeah, hit us. Um, so the Neverhood. Okay. which recently got a spiritual successor from Army Krog. I never played Army Krog. Right, which got uh, us a spiritual successor in Robin Hood. <laughs> um, not, yeah, not that Neverhood, although I can see why you would say that. Yeah, It was a claymation point-and-click adventure game. Done in, that must have taken forever to yeah, make. Done entirely in stop-motion claymation. As a kid, I thought it was the funniest thing ever, and I loved the claymation, and I think that's also maybe why I like the, the Leica like a movie so much, uh, like uh, Paranorman and Coraline and Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that stop motion. I think because of Neverhood, uh, Toonstruck, which was a financial disaster, but a fantastic point and click that people should play if they can find it. Uh, it starred Christopher Lloyd. Uh, it was like a mix of live action and, and art, and it was very like Looney Tunes influenced. Okay, Zork, the Grand Inquisitor, uh, the Eleventh uh, Hour, uh, Nightmare Ned. And the Curse of Monkey Island and Nightmare Ned, I would like to give a big shout out to because that was my first introduction to horror. So, do you think that you mentioned quickly that um, you think these games are great for kids? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's partly because of the simple interface, and it's also because, like you said, it's point and click? Yeah, right? you don't yeah, have yeah. to remember a string of button combinations yeah. to be able to do a simple action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so for sure. Uh, there. Yeah, you don't need anything other than a mouse, uh, at least for for most of these games. Um, 
So and, what, what was the last one you mentioned, the horror one? Uh, Nightmare Ned. Nightmare Ned. What about that game stood out to you from the horror aspect? So it is a horror game for kids, basically. Uh, it is actually made, I think, partly by Steven Spielberg. He was working... Okay. I think he was working with... I, I, this could be wrong. I know um, Steven Spielberg made a Goosebumps point-and-click adventure that I also have called uh, Goosebumps uh, Return to Horrorland. Okay. Um, Jeff Goldblum is in it. What? Yes. A point-and-click adventure game for Goosebumps directed by Steven Spielberg starring Jeff Goldblum. Not starring, but Jeff Goldblum yeah, played a there. vampire. Uh, he tried to romance a, a 12-year-old. That's... Okay. <laughs> All right. But Nightmare Ned was a cartoon horror game uh, where uh, you are exploring a nightmare that you're having. And you have to go through the different parts of your nightmares to try and make them less scary. And when you've tried to, when you've successfully made all your nightmares less scary and you've overcome them, you wake up. Interesting. And it is a kind of side-scrolling point-and-click adventure with some jumping. There's a little bit more reaction time in that one. Um, very hard to figure out, but like very cool and very creepy, but like just creepy enough for a kid, uh, to kind of be scared, but also want to keep going. I still have some nightmares from the teeth level where you're literally playing inside someone's mouth. That sounds horrifying. And the screen turns like negative and then bites you and it's terrifying. Was this also a TV show? They did make it a TV show. Interesting. Um, and the art style of the game is collage, and I've never seen a game since with a collage art style. What do you mean by collage art well, style? Well, you remember when we were kids, we'd make collages? Right. It's like but how, does that, how the, does that translate to a game? The game worlds would actually be made in parts by, like, cutouts of magazines and newspaper clippings and That's things like that. Yeah. So okay, it looked cool. like you're playing in a collage. So then, you, so you grow up, your first memories mm -hmm. of, of gaming are these point-and-click point adventures. adventures on, on PC. Yeah. What... What came next? Was the, you mentioned the N64? Yeah, yeah, so what came next was the Nintendo 64. Uh, I think I said in the first podcast my parents got it for me. I have a correction. My uncle got me the N64. Wow. Yeah. So what you're saying is you just went ahead and lied to everyone on our very first episode. I lied on the internet. You, you, you man, you guy. I'm going to jail. Pretty I'm going, much. I'm going straight to jail. Yeah. Um, please actually, after this podcast is over, handcuff me. And take me to jail. I'm not going to do that. It's too much work. Okay. I just kind of want you to handcuff me. N64. And back which, to the N64. Some would say were the handcuffs of consoles with the way that you had to hold that fucking controller. <laughs> yeah, that, um, I don't know why they shaped it like that. Uh, my, my kid brain was fine with it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anything else. So I love these puzzle games. I love these adventure games. I was a little bit older now. So my uncle got me an N64. My parents bought me the games. The four games I still remember are, uh, my first four games I ever had on this console were Ocarina of Time. Okay. Diddy Kong Racing. Okay. Mario Party 1. Right. And Snowboard Kids 2. That's a fucking awesome four set to start N64 yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario Party, Diddy Kong Racing, um, what did I just say? Snowboard Ocarina. Kids 2 and Ocarina of Time. And then the like next day at my grandparents' house for Christmas, they gave me Super Smash Brothers for the N64. That is a fantastic-ass line. Yeah. So I got this, um, and I was in love 
I would not put down Smash Bros. I would not put down Snowboard Kids. Diddy Kong Racing I put down very quickly because it was too hard for me. That game was hard. Um, yeah, and Ocarina of Time. Um, I actually remember playing Mario Party and we, me and my brothers only knew how to play just the party mode and we didn't know what anything else in the game did because <laughs> we didn't know how to read yet. So how are you reading the point and clicks? Uh, because Putt-Putt doesn't have text, really. It's all done with voice work. Voice work. And I would also uh, kind of I like... See. A lot of these games that I mentioned, very little text. Very little to no text. All visual. That's super weird. Okay. Uh, cool. Zork had a lot of uh, reading, uh, but that's after I got old enough to... Go back to it. Go back to it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Go on. Uh, but yeah, so... I actually really appreciate this set of N sixty four games because it did let me have like now I could now I didn't just play by myself I played with my brothers, oh, yeah we could have some multiplayer experiences who are younger than you so that yeah. by that point we're able to handle a controller yeah yeah exactly and Ocarina of Time was my first introduction to uh, a more action adventure style game right and at the time it was too hard for me I was still a little too young to play it. Uh, I had to go back to it when I was older right, to finish okay. it. I kept getting to Jabu Jabu's belly and then not being able Dude, to beat Jabba it. Dude, Jabba the Hutt is from Star Wars. <laughs> Do you ever play Ocarina of Time? No. Wow, really? It is one of my great blind spots when it comes to games. Yeah, I still think it holds up very well. Do you have a 3DS? No. Okay, never mind then. Um, the I'm sure it's going to end up on Switch at some yeah, fucking point. I'll yeah, play it then. I, 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 uh, I still think it holds up. I actually got through a decent chunk of it. Um, a guy that I worked with would bring his... Uh, 3DS to work. Yeah. And he let me play it when shit was slow. Right, right, right. And I think I got all the way to the Water Temple. Right. It's a quick game, actually. The Ocarina of Time, I think, is the most, like, streamlined, uh, concise of the, the, the mainline Zelda's. Mainline Zelda's game. Okay. I, you can beat it in, like, 10 hours. All right. You're done. Interesting. Um, yeah. And the N64 really, really is what got me into console gaming. And I was just a console gamer from then on because playing it on my tv which was bigger than my computer screen at the time yeah uh more and, to see and more to see i can play with my brothers and this is also what gave me my love of collectathons and platformers uh with banjo kazooie of course and with um donkey kong 64 and super mario 64 uh, I was always nobody in, knows about those games. No, no one knows about those. Who are what are those games? They're they're not they're not good games. Forget no. them. Um, they're not knack two. No, and then from then on, it kind of kind of just went on and kept going and kept going and I just kept wanting to play more and more games. I always wanted to play the next one. You know what? This is super fascinating for me to to go back with you to kind of take a look at where your kind of gaming history began because yeah. now knowing the kind of games that you like, yeah, it seems like a lot of Seeds were planted early on, which yeah. makes complete sense. And I'm assuming it's pretty similar for you too. Those seeds are probably. We'll get to yours. We'll get to me at another time. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's super interesting to see. Like, I didn't know that your first console was an N64. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was an N64. Uh, did you have a console earlier than N64? Uh, or what was your first console? PlayStation One. PlayStation One. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So I guess we'll move on to PlayStation One then. Yeah. So after N64 came. PlayStation 1. Okay. I got a PlayStation 1 when it was re-released as the PlayStation 1. And not it was the, not the PSX, but the, the PS1. Right. Um, because my mom loved the Tomb Raider games. And the next, our console, our computer was not strong enough to run the newer Tomb Raider games. Makes sense. So okay. we had, she begged my dad to get a PS1 uh, so that she could play Tomb Raider. 
Interesting. Okay, cool. And because of that, my dad's like, all right, we'll pick up some games for the kids. So we got, you know, Spyro, You're the Dragon. We got Crash Bandicoot Warped. Um, and I want to... Was your first Crash Warped? My first Crash was Warped. And my first, no shit. And my first Spyro was You're the Dragon. Which was three. Which was three. Fuck me, okay. I didn't play Crash 1, 2, or Spyro 1 and 2 until the Crash Insane trilogy and the Spyro Reignited trilogy, which just came out. Wow, that just fucking rocked my world. I did not know that you did not have those experiences. No, no, no. Beforehand. Those are recent experiences. Shit. But I loved Spyro so much, but it just, that was the end of the console life cycle, so we never really got anything earlier because we just moved on to the GameCube. Right, okay. Um, But I want to give a shout out to the PS1 because the PS1's actually what started my love of RPGs. Okay. With a game called Chrono Cross. Interesting. I played Chrono Cross before I played Chrono Trigger, which was uh, maybe blasphemous to some people listening. Uh, But I didn't go back to play Chrono Trigger until I was like in my late teens. Um, I still have not finished Chrono Trigger. I have. Chrono Trigger is a fantastic game. And, I know. And, and, I know. <laughs> and also, Chrono Trigger still holds up, I, I think, more than a lot of other SNES RPGs. Yep. Like, uh, way less grinding than something like Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chrono Cross, I was, I'd was, i never seen anything like it before. From the minute you turn on the game, I was in love because I heard this beautiful song playing and these beautiful cutscenes that the N64 did not have. Did Chrono Cross have anime cutscenes? It did not have anime cutscenes. It had it had CG cutscenes. Chrono Trigger had anime cutscenes. Okay. On the PS1 re-release. Okay. Which is the version of Chrono Trigger that I actually played. Okay. It was the PS1 re-release. Um, they, I saw these beautiful cutscenes the N64 couldn't do. I heard this beautiful music the N64 couldn't do. And... I fell in love with this world. I loved the characters. I loved the mystery of it. Um, I and, and just this kind of weird, bizarre, unknowable, multiple realities storyline that was like blew my like seven-year-old brain. It I I could not comprehend it. I I want to go back and play it now that I'm a little bit older because I know people still say it's pretty hard to understand. But I want to see if I can actually try and make sense of it. Do you think that uh, your, you know, your younger mind maybe filled in some of the blanks that your now more critical and jaded mind would maybe see more of? Maybe I think so. Maybe I would have a lot more problems with certain mechanics. But Chrono Cross is—I don't even mind mechanics-wise. I mean story-wise. Story-wise, it, like you know what I mean. Like as a kid, you, it is very easy for your imagination to yeah. run wild to to fill in the blanks. It that, might. That, you know what I mean? Like, now yeah. going back as an adult, you'd be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And as a kid, you were like, that was awesome! Honestly, yeah, there's a part in the game where uh, you fight a panther man, and uh, it turns out that he's actually someone who, like, bit you as a kid. It's a real panther or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, Did you have a fever of Spider-Man dream? I might have. I was bit by a panther man. And became a panther. And then you travel to an M.C. Escher painting. Okay. Uh, but no, I... Like, this, and at the same time, I also got uh, Paper Mario, the first Paper Mario. Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Not Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Matthew, you are referencing a joke that was never released to the public. Because we lost it. Because we lost that podcast. So, it was not. <laughs> it was not. And Paper- let me say again, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. <laughs> it, was, it was not Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. The first Paper Mario. But 
this was my first introduction to games where I needed to think a little bit more. I had to worry about stats and leveling up and maybe uh, worrying about uh, how to build myself as a character and to progress. Right, the battle wasn't hit them till they're dead. Their battle was, was like, how was do smart I get them. there? Yeah. yeah. So as a kid, I was still like, as a kid, I was capable of doing Paper Mario. Mm. But I wasn't really capable of doing Chrono Cross. So what I would do is after my dad beat the game, I played his new game plus story file. So I was beefed. <laughs> I was just straight that's beefed. Hilarious. Uh, and uh, yeah, and that's and then yeah. So that and then it kind of snowballed. So if you don't mind, rather than kind of going through my chronology now, I kind of want to just talk about. So listen, what we're gonna do here, we've now hit the end of the PS One. Yeah. Right. We're going to put a fucking asterisk here. Yeah. We're going to stop on your chronology. Yeah. And what we're going to do is let's talk about some of the games that have stood out to you through maybe more trying times or games that have stood the yes. test of time with yeah, you. That's exactly and what I was going to say. next time we have, a, we have a, a, a boys party podcast, we'll come back and we'll take a deeper look at what came after the PS1. Yeah, I agree. So let's end the shit on a yeah. cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Right? Keep the audience guessing. Yeah, keep them guessing for okay, what cool. sick, twisted shit no. you get into later. I, I agree, because I think the beginning is important, but then after that, it's less of like interesting of what formed me and more just like I played this and then I played this right I played this so let's so, yeah so let's 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 talk a little bit about uh what <laughs> games that over the course of your life what are a couple games that have kind of either stood the test of time or maybe have been there for you in a yeah. way that helped you through some shit so I I was when I was looking back at my history and I played a lot of games I actually have a spreadsheet that keeps track of every single game I've ever played nice and I have played to completion, start to finish, three hundred and ninety-three games. Nice. And I played like a thousand. Oh yeah, actually, sorry, I, I made that up. I I forgot. I have, I've actually played like two thousand. No, but I think my my dad works at Nintendo, and I actually played three thousand. Yeah, but you see, my 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 dad. Hey, shut up. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so the I was uh, thinking that it was going to be some of the older games. That really stood out to me. But surprisingly, I feel like it's been a lot more of the more recent games that okay. really helped me through stuff. What's an example um, of that? Doom. Doom 2016. Really? Doom 2016. Never would have expected. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, I I, I want to also... You were talking about mental health, and I want to bring this into mental health as well. And because and I also, you know, have a lot of issues with anxiety. Uh, and I find it really hard to wake up in the morning sometimes uh, because I just I just am so stressed about what's going to happen today is something wrong going to happen um, and I want to play a lot of the time I feel like I end up playing these games for the wrong reason I'm playing video games uh, maybe kind of just to escape my own life because I just don't I don't want to be me I want to be I want to be someone else. Right. Um, you want to be someone who, in your mind, is yeah. the no, maybe not the ideal version of yourself, yeah. but it's someone who might be able to do the things yeah. that you can't today. I want to be in a world where I feel like I have agency on the days that I don't feel like I have agency in my own life. Right. Um, and those issues didn't really start until... I had them to a, a, a small degree in high school. I think I did have, you know, awkward 
times in high school, but I don't think that my, my real anxiety really hit me until I was in university. And so I think that's probably why it's the more recent games uh, that stood out to me more. But Doom, uh, I wanted to talk about because there's a lot of conversations recently about violence in video games. Yep. And I can't think of uh, a better example of a violent video game than Doom. You've obviously never played uh, Overcooked. <laughs> I mean, I feel like killing somebody when I play Overcooked, so right. maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're not wrong. Um, I, I I want to murder. So what about what about Doom stood out to you? Because Doom came out, what, two years ago? Tw- three yeah, years tw- ago now. 2016. 2016. So where, where were you in life at that point? Shit, I was um, just... It was 2016. So I, I don't know what month it was, but I either uh, had just graduated or was about to graduate university finally finished kindergarten <laughs> took me a while but i finally moved on to first grade Got and you know learn how to share nouns are hard yeah those did, are hard did you learn nouns in kindergarten well that's holy what... shit <laughs> um okay so I, you you were you were at a point in your life where maybe there was more transition than i had been yeah yeah i was in a point in my life where there's a, a ton of transition i didn't know what was going to happen after I was just kind of graduating by the skin of my teeth, and I was really worried. No, I think it was April or March that it came out, or August. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Matt, Matt's going to look this up right Fact now. Fact check. Fact check, because I want to know. I Before I tell this story, I want to know. June 2016 would have come out in May. Okay. May yeah. 13th, 2016. So, yeah, I just graduated. I just graduated by the skin of my teeth. I actually had a lot of relief in my life, but I was actually going through uh, kind of a rough time relationship-wise. Okay. Um, and I was seeing somebody who, uh, it turns out, didn't really have the same feelings, but maybe they said that they did. I don't want to get into it. But I for was the, for, for the sake of context, you felt that... This person felt the same way about you. But they didn't. But they didn't. Yeah. And, uh... Which is, I think, is a very yeah, yeah, common yeah. feeling for people to have. Right? It, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a very frustrating time, and I had a lot of anger, and I had a lot of frustration. Uh, things just weren't going right. So, Doom was there for me. Doom is a game where you can turn on the metal music. You can rip and tear your problems away. I, whenever I played Doom, all I could do was smile at how over the top and ridiculous it is. Right. It, it is such a heavy metal power fantasy that I would play it and I would almost feel like refreshed at it's the end. It's a cathartic experience, yeah. right? It's an outlet it's, for those. It's almost like zen in a way for me because yeah. I am doing nothing but unloading bullets endlessly without reloading for an hour and just like releasing all my energy and frustration into the game right and like from the little that i have played of doom 2016 because i have not played much of it i remember it being difficult yeah so like not only is i can imagine from your point of view not only is it just unloading bullets but you're doing it in a way that like you know you're outsmarting. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. beating the game. Yeah. it's not you're just finishing it. Like yeah. you're you're doing better. As I well. am destroying the game. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I played on um, 
Ultraviolence, which is just one difficulty below Nightmare, which okay. is the hardest difficulty. Well, Ultra Nightmare is the hardest, but screw Ultra Violence. Uh, Ultra Nightmare, because Ultra Nightmare, you die, and then when you die, your your file gets erased. Fuck that. Yeah, like, forget that. Um, so, Ultra Violence, and the game is not just, like, a shooter. It's, like, a puzzle shooter, because you have a certain number of weapons, and different enemies are weak to different weapons, and you have arenas where you have different power-ups, and different vantage points, so it's all about outmaneuvering and outsmarting the enemies and using the right tool for the right job. So it felt like a puzzle shooter, almost. Right. So I was working out my brain, and I was having a cathartic experience. Exactly, and from the sounds of it, do you think that that was... Do you think that that game at that time, despite being an ultra-violent metal power fantasy... Do you think that that was a positive outlet for you? Yes, 100%. It's one of the few times I actually do think that a game has been a positive outlet. Because I was saying before, I spend a lot of time um, playing games as an escape. And I feel very guilty about that. And I think that I sometimes play games for the wrong reason. I play games to run away from my problems. But Doom I actually helped me. Because if I was having a bad day, I would play it and... It was almost like meditating. Like I'd wait, I'd come out of it, and I'd feel like peaceful. Right, and it wasn't. Would you say? Sorry, let me mm-hmm. rephrase that. Would you say that this was a power fantasy in terms of like, because especially with a lot of what's going on in the world right now, um, would you say that this was more of like a like a power fantasy so that mm-hmm. you feel strong or would you say that it was just more like I have these emotions I don't know what to do with them Mm -hmm. and this is just a way for me to channel them into a way that I know is harmless definitely the second one right 100% the second one and yeah that's why I think it's so frustrating when people talk about how violent video games make violent people and I I completely disagree with that because I mean I can I guess I can only speak for myself but I mean, it was the same argument for metal music back in the day. Of course. Uh, it was making people violent. But what they don't realize is that these experiences are a constructive way to release that energy. Because right. you're playing this game. You're not going out into the world and hurting somebody. It's a very human emotion. Yeah. Right? Anger, jealousy, rage. Yeah. And just yeah. maybe more so than anything else is disappointment. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... These are emotions that we all feel yeah. on a day-to-day basis to some extent. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I'm glad that Doom was there for you. And that's why you. that, you know, I want us to talk about these these feelings a little more because mm-hmm. games like this, even the quote-unquote ultra-violent ones, yeah. are still an outlet because it's not like you walked away from that game being like, I know how to shoot a gun. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. It's it's not it, violent video games do not make violent people. It's violent people who are attracted to violence for violence's sake. Right. That see a game and say, "Oh, this is I want to do this." Right. They are they are seeking out that game. The game is not seeking out them. Yeah. It's an inanimate object that you choose yeah. to to, in, to yeah. indulge in. It's the same thing with video game addiction. Like I. As someone who maybe might actually consider themselves truly addicted to video games, uh, I think that I'm not addicted to video games because video games are addicting. I'm addicted to video games because if I wasn't addicted to games, I feel like I'd probably be addicted to something else. Right. Okay, <laughs> sure. I feel like it's that's my way of escaping. I want to escape from something. I need to find something that will help me escape. Right, and sometimes even in that escapism, like you've mentioned a few times that you feel bad about it. 
I don't really know if you should because sometimes in these other forms of, of getting away, you may kind of help yourself find an answer that you didn't really know you were looking for, yeah. right? Like, I know for myself, like, I consume a lot of media, mm-hmm. be it video games, anime, movies, TV, or whatever, but sometimes something will hit in a certain way that makes me feel like I could be better, do better, yeah, or or just lets me let out an emotion that yeah. I didn't even realize I had bundled up. Yeah, yeah. But Darren, I want to put uh, a cork. I want mm-hmm. I want to put a big pause on the rest mm-hmm. of your history because I don't want to do it a disservice by mm-hmm. rushing through sure, sure. other games that stand yeah, yeah. out to you. I'm glad that we talked that much about yeah. Doom because truly and honestly, I did not expect you to bring Doom into a conversation <laughs> about why mental health is important in video games. Yeah, I thought that would be an interesting choice. I think so. So, let's let's save that. Let's save the rest of your history for a time where we can focus on another game. Or, exactly. Yeah. Or even just talk about more about what got you to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to end this this podcast with another new segment that we're going to be introducing. Uh, and this is another one of uh, uh, Darren's... Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what to call this. My project. Yeah, your project. Let's label it that. Darren, can you tell us a little bit about uh, a new game that we're going to be playing on All the right. podcast well, once in a while? I like to call this uh, game... A lover or a fighter. Okay. And uh, the reason I call that is because I have a list of names. And on this list of names are characters from fighting games. Okay. uh, Who are the fighters. And a list of, let's say, adult actors. So like Keanu Reeves? No. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're... There's R-rated, X-rated, almost actors. They are almost, almost. <laughs> they're porn stars. They're very. They're they're porn stars. Uh, they're the lovers, right? So I am going to give you a random number of characters, and or well, random character, and you have to tell me if they are their name is a, a f- name of a fighting game character, okay, or the name of a porn star. All right, and let's see how you do. Okay. All right. So. Darren, take it away. All right. So, let's start off with, um, how about Black Beast? Jesus Christ. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, a fighting game character for that one because I feel like it could be uh, someone out of, like, a fucking Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. But here, I'm going to put a quick pin in this. Darren, tell me if I'm right after all five. Okay. All right. So, so Black Beast. One. Take, take down my answers. Okay. I, and then tell me if I'm right afterwards. All right. Let's see. Let me just write this down here. Um, oh, no. All right. So, Black Beast. Fighting game character. Good. All right. Okay. What's number two? Black Angelica. Black Angelica. Yeah. I'm going to go with Porn Star for that one. Okay. All that right. one to me sounds more of like a porn star. Okay. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, All right. I'm gonna go with porn star. Geese Howard. Geese Howard. See, Geese Howard. Um, that to me, my initial reaction is uh, a fighting game character, which is why I think you picked it. So I'm gonna go against my own instinct and go with porn star, because. Okay. Geese Howard makes me think of Ron Howard. Right, right. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting choice. Okay. So I'm going to go with Point Star. Okay. 
Rock Howard. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit. Oh, I'm God. so Rock Howard right now. I'm going to go with fighting game. I'm going to go with fighting game. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I'm going to go with fighting. I'm going to go with fighting. I feel like I feel like Rock Howard can uh, can take up arms in like Soul Calibur. All right. All right. All right. We'll do we'll do two more. Okay? okay we'll do two, two more. more. All right. How about Jay Snake? Jay Snake? I'm trying to like get in your head while also thinking about this shit. <laughs> Jay Snake seems too obviously a poor name, so I'm going to go with fighting. I'm going to go with fighting because I don't think Jay is letting his snake anywhere near anybody outside of that ring. All right. Okay, cool. All right, the final one? The final one. Bald Bull. Bald Bull. Bald Bull. Bald Bull. <laughs> Bald Bull. I have a feeling that, like, anybody whose name is in there isn't a porn star. <laughs> so, I'm going to go with Fighting Game. <laughs> okay. Because I feel... I don't know. Anyways... So, Darren, <laughs> we're going to go back to Black Beast. For the record, I said that was a fighting game character. Can you please tell me if that was a lover or a fighter? That was a fighter. Yeah, you that's got one. It right. That's one point. From, I'm going to take it. From Blaze Blue. From Blaze Blue. Okay, cool. I've got it. One on the board. Okay. Shit, man. I wish Destiny was here. I feel like <laughs> we'd have some good arguments about this shit. Okay. I know. We'll next, time we'll, next time we'll play lover or fighter with Destiny. Okay. Black Angelica, which I said was a porn star. She's a lover. You got that right yes, too. Yes, two. I'm up for two. I'm one. I'm. I'm even. Even Stevens here. Right. I love. I love these pairs, and that's why I picked them. So Geese Howard. Geese Howard. I said porn star. He's a fighter. Fuck. From Fatal Fury. Fucking shit. Terry Bogard was from yeah the game Terry Bogard's. From. God damn it! Now I'm feeling worse about Rock Howard. <laughs> Rock Howard. You said was a porn star. I said was a fighter. You said was a fighter. I said was a fighter. Rock Howard. Is also a fighter. Yeah. So, Geese Howard is actually the <laughs> Geese. Howard. You are. He is not Rock Howard. He, I mean, he is. <laughs> no, he is. Rock he is. Howard. He is Rock Howard, and so am I. <laughs> and so am I. Also a fighter. Geese Howard. Fun fact is the son of Rock Howard. Okay, so they're both from. Fatal, they're both from Fatal, Fatal Fury. Fury. All right. Jay Snake, uh, I said, was a fighting game character. Jay Snake is a lover. Shit. He is, he is a porn star. God damn it. Jay Snake. Jay Snake. Uh, and finally, Bald Bull. Bald Bull, I said it was a fighting game character. You're right, he's a fighter. Yeah! Although I cheated a little bit. He's actually from Punch Out. That's that. Yeah, it's, that's, it's I, I, put, I put it in the wood. Bald in the realm. Bull. He's a big, hairy Turkish man who is also bald. I mean, I called it. <laughs> so. I landed with a four out of six pretty on this good. one. I'm pretty good. I'll have to I get hit, harder next time. I hit a I hit, well, god damn it. <laughs> uh, I hit above average. So next time we do this, we'll play with Destiny. I'm the current reigning champion of Lover or Fighter. <laughs> um, undisputed. Nobody has taken me down. Um, man, the the Howard brothers Those. fucking sent me on a ride because I did not think that <laughs> they would both be they'd both be fighting game characters you piece of shit those good old Howards and that everyone brings us to the end of the show Darren thank you so much for joining me on this wild wild boys oh. boys party thank boys ride to boys town it's Saturday it's not Saturday it's, it's not, not Saturday it's still boys day it's still, it's still boys day fake Saturdays are for the boys <laughs> 
Thanks for thanks for hosting that, and thanks for also sharing your game that mattered. Yeah, next week we will be back. Destiny will hopefully be feeling better, and she'll be back with us for the adventure. Again, please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music. And Instagram. And Instagram. We're going to be putting our podcasts on YouTube soon as well. So you'll be able also be able to find them there for just the audio. Instagram handle is... Burnout Brighter 7. Okay. Burnout Brighter 7. Burnout Brighter 7. Uh, If anybody listening has any feedback, any criticism, any games that they think could be fun to play... Then please SWAT our apartment so that you know... Please SWAT Darren's apartment. I will include his address in the title. Um... (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please like, sh- subscribe, share, let everybody know about this little project that we're working on. We love you all very much, and have a great one. Bye. Bye. Bye.